Good morning. How's everybody doing today? I, um, if you're here for the first time, uh, I just want to echo Chris's words. Welcome. We've got some books that are going around. If everybody will fill those out, that if you've got a new phone number, new email, any kind of new info, you can put those in. That'd be great. Um, we would love to be able to stay in touch with you. If you're here for the first time, if you can do that, we would love to send you uh, just a letter from me. We're not going to appear on your doorstep or anything, uh, but we would like to send you a gift, and uh, it's a pretty good gift. You'll like it, so be sure and do that. Uh, I just want to share uh, some things as we share in, um, in our, our offering as well. This past Tuesday night, the elders met. And um, as the elders met and talked and prayed, we made a decision that was a really cool decision. If you've been around the last several months, you've known that we took up a special offering to help plant a church in Ecuador. The total amount of that giving was uh, somewhere around $37,350, something like that. Yeah, give that up. That's very cool. So we were talking about what to do, and the elders said, you know... We have some money that we set aside for ministry, and we want to go ahead and take $6,150 and add that to what's already been given so that our total for the church plant in Ecuador is $43,500. Um, that's half of what it will cost to build the church, which is incredibly, incredibly cool. Um, I, I want you to know that and know that your giving, your extravagant generosity is going to change the lives of children and their parents and of an entire community in Ecuador, that they're going to come to know Jesus because of you, because of North Point, because of people's um, resources that they've made available to God. And that is way, way cool. Um, each week we share in a time of offering. Um, ha have we done it yet or we're in process? I, we're, we're good. Um, you know, it goes by, it goes by quickly. And I, I just want to say something about the offering. Uh, offering such an important time of worship for us. It really is a chance for us to say as we give to God, God, I trust you. I trust that you will take care of all of my needs. And, um, and it's, it's a cool thing to be able to physically do that. You know, when, we, when the buckets go by and we put something in, whether it's, you know, $1, $5, I hope that it's your prayer. God, use this so that your church can move forward, so that your kingdom can grow, because that's, that's really our prayer. Sometimes the buckets go by really quickly, and so if you're writing a check and the bucket's already by, you think, oh, missed that opportunity. Just want to say, there are, two, um, there are two containers at the doors, so if ever that happens, if you're writing a check, you're getting in your wallet, you don't get it done, buckets go by too fast, you can put stuff in those containers at the back, they get checked after each service, it'll get taken care of. Or if you're like me sometimes, and you get home, and you say, oh yeah, there's that check that I was writing, and it didn't make it in. You can just mail it in to the church office. Lots of people do that. Lots of people do that. Um, or or uh, you, you, can, you can do it that way or wait till the next week or whatever. A lot of people give electronically as well. Deb and I actually do that now. We've been doing it for a number of years, and it's a, it's a, it's a great way to be able to give consistently. Um, 
if you've got questions about how to do that, all you have to do is go to the website, to the North Point website. Uh, in, the, in the lower left-hand corner, there's a button there that says Give Online. Press that button, follow the instructions, you're good to go. If you have trouble, call us, and we'll put you in touch with our tech support in Bangladesh. And uh, <laughs> not really, not really. We'll, we'll talk you through that. It's actually a pretty easy process, and we'll be happy to help. On any given Sunday, about a third of the people who call North Point home aren't, aren't here at church on, on that Sunday. It may be that they're working, that their job has taken them out of town. It may be that they're traveling, that they're visiting family or friends. It may be that they're sick, and, and so they're not here. If you're one of those people who weren't here last week, I just want to say, hey, I'm, I'm glad you're here. We started a new series this past Sunday called The S Word. And, and we want to kind of get you up to speed if we can as we jump into that. So the S word is a bad word. It's a word we hate. The S word is submission, submission, submission. You know, that's not just a task for the nuclear Navy. Um, submission, yeah. It's this idea that says that, that when we submit, we're placed under the authority of another person, that things are put in order, in alignment, and that when we submit, we choose to let ourselves be placed under the authority of another person. When you enlist in the military, you do so expecting that you will follow the orders of your superior officer. When you hire a life coach or call in a consultant at work, you do so with the expectation that you will submit to their recommendations. It doesn't make sense to pay the money to bring them into your life and then to just throw away whatever input they might give. Last week, we talked about the instructions to us as followers, as Jesus, uh, us as followers of Jesus in Hebrews 13, where the Hebrew writer says this, Obey your spiritual leaders... And submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that message, I'd encourage you to go to the website this afternoon, tonight, uh, sometime this week, and just click on that. You can listen to it, you can watch it, either one, and kind of catch up, because that's kind of the foundation for the next five weeks. There are two elements out of last week's message that I want to just reinforce, because they're themes that are common through this next five weeks. They're, they're common to the entire series. The first principle, the first thought is this. Obeying your leaders when you agree with them is not submission. Obeying your leaders when you agree with them is not submission. It's doing what you do otherwise, right? You're just simply following the path that you'd like to choose. Submission, though, is choosing to follow Choosing to obey even when you disagree, even when you think you have a better plan, even think when you think that you have a better idea, when you think that you know more than the person in charge, when you think that you've got the, the problem pretty well figured out and you know the solution and the leaders say, this is what we're going to do and it's not what you would choose. That's submission. When we talk about submitting to authorities, Submitting to our spiritual leaders, 
It's about following through when there's a path that it's not the one that we would choose. The second principle that's there that's constant through these five weeks is this. When God tells us to submit in a relationship, we need to do so because we trust him. Even if the leaders are choosing a different path than than the one that we would choose, our trust isn't in our leaders. Our trust is in God. We trust God to work through those leaders, to accomplish his will through those leaders. Our submission is an intentional act of faith and obedience to God, not a blind faith to those leaders with a conditional following as long as we agree. We can trust God. We can trust his word. We can trust his principles. And so we need to submit. With that in mind, we have another difficult message today. I said to Deb and to Micah uh, yesterday afternoon, I don't know how this is going to go because it's hard stuff. Both of their faces went white and said, oh no, what's going on? Um, you'll, see what, you'll see what I mean about that in just a little bit. I'm not going to be able to cover every aspect of this topic. There's going to be a ton of things that bubble up in your mind. Um, Write some notes down. After this service, be sure and go to the Connect kiosk and get one of the sermon-based question um, sets of paper. Take that. Talk through it with your family. In your life group, spend some time working back through the scriptures and the concepts that, that we'll be sharing this morning. Because we need to be involved in in encouraging each other, in challenging challenging each other, in sharpening each other in this area. Don't trust just what I say. Search it out in the scriptures for yourself. We're going to go to to Romans 13 and a little bit later to 1 Peter 2 this morning. Um, If you've got your Bibles, take them out. Go to Romans 13 verses 1 through 7 right now. I'm, I'm going to be using the New International Version today because I think it is a little bit easier to understand in the NIV today than, than the ESV. So if you've got a tablet, if you've got a handheld device, be sure and, and bring that up and, and click it for the NIV today. Paul writes this to the church in Rome somewhere in the late 50s AD, so about uh, 25 years, 30 years after Jesus was crucified. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, be very afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Paul, as he writes to the church in the first century, 
makes it very clear in this part of his letter of what our response is to be to those who govern us. Submit to the governing authorities. Paul says to us, submit to the governing authorities. Those are hard words. They were hard words in the first century for the church at that point in time, and they're hard words for us today. And Paul goes on then to kind of flesh out why that's so important. He says, God is the one who established authority in your life. God established authority in every aspect of your life. Specifically, he's talking about the governing authorities, but he says there's no authority except that which God has established. Your teacher, principal, your city council, our senators and representatives, the president, only are in those places because God has established authority. The authorities that exist have been established by God. God understood that even bad authorities, even a bad system was better than no system at all. Because if there was no system of authority, no structure for us to live in, we'd be at each other's throats. And in that, in that concept of anarchy, everyone would be destroyed. God is the one who created authority. And God is the one who gives us the command to submit. He says, authority creates no fear for those who obey the law. Uh, verse 3 says this, Rulers hold no terror for those who do right but only for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Do what's right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Do you know that police officers, when they make a stop of a car, can detect in, in an instant whether something's crazy going on with the driver of that car? They can detect the fear that exists in that driver and they begin to then ask the questions to say, is it okay if I look in your car? Is there going to be any problem if I look in the glove compartment, if I look in the trunk, if I look in the back seat? For most of us, it's no issue at all if a police officer would say to us, would say, yeah, you're going to find my ho-ho wrappers in the glove compartment, you know, in the back seat. There's the Fritos and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's no sense of fear for those things. Our fear is just that we're going to have to figure out how to pay for the ticket, right, that, that we got. But if you're a lawbreaker, if you're carrying drugs, if you're carrying weapons, instantly your body's communicating things to the police officer that he recognizes as fear of a lawbreaker. Um, you know, it's funny to me, a 15-year-old riding with his parents in the car looks back behind the car and sees the, sees the lights and sirens this is not a real story, okay? This is not out of my life. <laughs> a 15-year-old will see the police officer and laugh, right? Dad's getting a ticket! Yeah! But a year later, when that 15-year-old is behind the, the wheel of the car and those lights come on, what happens? <laughs> There's, a, you know, the instant sweat, all kinds of concern, because they were the ones at that point breaking the law. Why, when they were 15, why didn't it bother them? Because they hadn't done anything wrong, right? It was dad who was driving the car. It's dad's fault. Dad's the one who's going to have to pay. That's the concept that's there in Romans 13. 
Uh, we, uh, God created authority for us so that, so that we could live lives in a way that we're protected by that authority. When we set our cruise control on 70 miles an hour going up 127, and we see the police officer in our rearview mirror, lights come on, it doesn't phase us at all. We look down, and you know what, I'm going 70, I'm good. There's no problem at all. But if the cruise control is set at 82, <laughs> and we see the officer pull out of the median, pull out behind us, the lights come on, there's a different kind of response. Paul says, um, rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but only for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Do what's right, and you'll be commended. Um, those police officers, those judges, Paul says, um, they are God's agents of wrath to punish wrongdoers. Recognize that um, no matter what your perspective is of the, of the police, God has them in place so that they can execute justice for the benefit of the masses, they can, so that they can create a society, a community that's a safe place to live. God has put them in place, and we need to honor them. Uh, the first point out of this message is just this. God has called us to submit to our governing authorities. Second point's this. God has a purpose in our submission to authority. When we choose to submit, God has a reason for that. If you jump over to 1 Peter chapter 2, you'll hear Peter's words that interestingly enough were written somewhere between five and ten years after Paul's and they mirror, they, they, um, they flesh out what, what Paul had previously written. Peter says this, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. What was God's purpose in calling us to submit to our governing authorities? It allows us to demonstrate our willingness to obey him. Here's this, and, and this, is, this is a frightening statement for me to make because of me knowing me. If we're not willing or able to submit to the authorities in our lives, if we're not willing to submit to the laws of the land, there is no reason to believe that we could ever submit to the laws of God that we could ever choose to submit fully and entirely to Jesus. When we choose to submit to, our, to the governing authorities, it gives us the ability to flesh out our submission to God and to demonstrate for him, God, I love you. I choose you over what I want. Peter says, when we choose to submit, it's God's will that by doing so that we should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. 
The Amplified Version says this, it's the will of God that by doing right, you may silence, muzzle, gag, that culpable ignorance and irresponsible criticism of foolish people. When we submit, it draws people to Jesus. You know, there, there are people in your lives who are looking at you all the time to, dis, to determine whether or not what you say you believe matches up with the way that you really live. There are children in your home watching to see if what you say you believe really matches up to the way that you live. There are people at work. There are people in your neighborhood that do that. And when we choose to submit to the governing authorities, it creates this connection, this, this, synchroniz- this synchronizing of those two things. And the people around us say, wow, I want that. When I drive on Saginaw um, on the west side of Lansing, there's this one stretch of road that I have to be really careful because something happens right there that makes the car want to turn left if I'm going eastbound uh, on Saginaw. When I pass Outback Steakhouse (laughs) and I smell the steak on the grill, I start thinking, man, I have got to have a piece of steak. I've got to have a blooming onion. That aroma draws me into the restaurant. Can anyone relate? Can I get an amen? Yeah, there we go. I don't know how you grew up, but if you grew up in a family that was dysfunctional, maybe with parents that divorced, maybe they didn't divorce, but there was lots of fighting that went on all the time, And you grew up in that environment and you had some friends that every time you went to their house, there was this sense of peace and calm there. Their mom and dad loved each other. People laughed freely. There was this sense of peace. And and if you were that kid, you thought, boy, I wish this was my family. Is there any way I could be a part of this family? Because the winsomeness of what you experienced in the environment in their home drew you to them. Peter says that's the picture of what happens when we choose willingly to submit to governing authorities. Third point, submission is the result of our love for Jesus. It's not a way for us to win his love. Hear that again. Submission is the result of our love for Jesus. It's not the way, it's not a way to win his love. Because we love Jesus, everything changes in our head and our hearts, and we choose to submit. Let me give you eight or ten examples. Real life examples that we wrestle with in breaking the law or not submitting to authority. Are you paying the taxes that IRS says you're legally responsible for? Are you reporting all of your income? Are you taking money under the table? Are you taking deductions that aren't valid or that you can't substantiate? Are you driving the speed limit? Are you coming to a complete stop at stop signs? Are you parking in legitimate parking places? Are you making bootleg copies of music, movies, or computer software? Are you obeying the hunting and fishing laws, even if you know you won't get caught? 
Are you obtaining proper building code permits when you do work in your house? Sometimes it's not just the law, it's just the authority that's above us. Sometimes those are even harder. Are you fudging on the number and size of the carry-ons you take on a plane when you travel? If you're a kid, are you sneaking into R-rated movies when you're underage? Are you going to a restaurant and ordering water but then filling up with pop that you didn't pay for? Are you taking candy or food into a theater instead of submitting to their signs that say no outside food or drink? You know, what's at the core of all of those things? We think those are stupid rules. Nobody drives the speed limit. It's not fair for them to demand that we buy their stuff at inflated prices. We choose not to submit because it's not what we want to do, because it inconveniences us, because we think that they're not fair. When Jesus gets in our heart, all of that focus on I and me and we needs to change because it's all about him. And as a result of our relationship with him, he changes the way that we see the world. If you're like me right now, there's this tension inside you because you're going, oh, my, the fleshly part of me is saying, no, I don't want to hear this message because I don't want to do that stuff. I don't want to be confronted with it. Nobody drives the speed limit. Nobody worries about getting permits in their home. And, and you're going through this process right now of rationalizing why submitting to the governing authorities doesn't apply to you. And yet, God's word says, submit. In that rationalizing, one of the, one of the paths that you're going is saying, but wait, 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 wait. What about corrupt government, Right? What about, corrupt, what about bad laws? What about just stupid laws? What about places like Central and South America where, where bribery is a normal part of the way the government works? In that environment, do you still have to submit to the governing authorities? What about places like China where culturally it's a normal thing for government officials to directly boldface lie to you about what needs to happen? Horrible practice. Do I still need to obey those laws? Do I still need to submit? To answer that question, I think that you've got to understand the context of what happened, what the culture was in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Rome had come in and taken over Palestine. Rome demanded taxes from the people that they took over. And so they appointed tax collectors. They named tax collectors to those positions. Their job was to just get the money and get it back to Rome. The tax collectors in Palestine had all kinds of power to arbitrarily determine whatever taxes they wanted before they sent it into Rome. So the tax collectors would cheat the people around them, pocket that money, send the money on to Rome, and Rome didn't care. That's why when you read the New Testament, when you read the Gospels, it was such a big deal for Jesus to eat with tax collectors and sinners. People hated them because they were corrupt because they cheated. That was the system of the government. But it was much bigger than that particular issue. In 64 AD, Nero was, was Caesar of Rome. And in 64 AD, there was a fire that destroyed three quarters of the city of Rome. Most historians and the people of that time believe that Nero was the guy who started that fire, that he started it in his own apartment, it got out of control, and it ultimately burnt most of the city down. 
Um, Nero was a politician, and he had, to, he had to do something about that. He had to have some scapegoat, someone he could point his finger at and say, this is who was responsible for that fire that destroyed our city. Nero chose the Christians, and in 64 AD, the persecution of the Christians by the Roman government began really in earnest at that point in time. Here's what Nero would do. He would round up the Christians, men, women, and children. He would take those Christians that he had rounded up, put them in animal skins, and put them in the middle of the Colosseum and release wild animals to come and tear apart the flesh and kill those followers of Jesus. There was no real purpose in it except to entertain the crowds that were there. Nero loved to race chariots. It was his thing. He thought he was a race car driver kind of a deal. And he, and he loved to watch the races and he loved to race. Um, Nero loved it so much that it, it couldn't always happen during the day. And so he wanted to have chariot races at night as well. There was only one problem. There wasn't any electricity. So Nero would take the Christians that he had rounded up and tie them to poles, place those poles around the outside of the arena where they would have the chariot races, coat the Christians in tar and pitch, and as dark descended, light them on fire. Race chariots as Christians burned to provide light for that. We complain about our government and have no concept of how corrupt Rome was. It's very possible that Peter wrote these words after the fire in Jerusalem. And he said, submit to the governing authorities. Having a contrary opinion about a law, having a different political view, doesn't mean that we don't submit. Do you have the right to disobey, to not submit if you're willing to accept the consequences? If you say, you know what? I'm just going to pay the ticket. I want to drive fast and I'm going to pay the ticket. Not according to Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2. Submit to the governing authorities because it, by doing so, it will silence the talk of foolish men. What about what about laws that demand that we disobey God's laws? Probably another way to ask that question is, is there ever a time not to submit? The answer to that is yes. We're called to obey our authorities until the time that our obedience calls us to disobey God. Get that? Any time that our obedience to authorities causes us to disobey God, we need to choose God first. Let me give you five examples from Scripture. Um, in Exodus chapter 1, Pharaoh says to the Hebrew midwives, you're to kill every boy child that's born. And the Hebrew midwives wouldn't do it. it says the, uh, Exodus 1.17 says that the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them and let the male children live. They disobeyed the authorities in order to obey God. In Daniel chapter 1, um, Nebuchadnezzar has captured Israel. He's brought in Israel, uh, Jewish leaders into, uh, in, uh, into Babylon and, um, and says, this is what you're going to eat, this is what you're going to drink. And Daniel says, time out, I can't do it. That violates what God has called me to do. 
And, and he proposes then a plan in order to make that right that Nebuchadnezzar ultimately agrees with. But Daniel disobeys the king in order to obey God. Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar has built this statue 50, 60 feet high. Every time music goes off, people are to bow down and worship this idol, this statue of, Neb- of Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego say, you know what, can't do it. We can't worship anyone except God. And they wind up in the fiery furnace. They obey God rather than man. Daniel chapter 6, Darius Darius, um, signs this order that says, no one can pray to anyone except to me. I'm the king. I'm the God. Everyone has to pray to me. And Daniel says, can't do it. He opens his window so he can look to, to Jerusalem, prays to God, gets arrested. And that's, that's the setting that allows Daniel, that causes Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have healed a lame man. And they get brought uh, uh, on trial, essentially, with the Jewish leaders, with the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish lawgivers. And the Jewish lawgivers essentially pass a law that say, you will not speak about Jesus anymore. And Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 say, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to listen to God, you've got to decide. But we can't help but speak what we've seen and heard. Our challenge is this, to obey man until obeying man makes you disobey God. Our call is to submit to the governing authorities until submitting to the governing authorities causes us to disobey God. We live in a unique time and place. The American governmental system is different than exists any place else in the world. We have a voice. We have a responsibility to be involved in our government, to be salt and light. We have the right as, citizen, as citizens to serve in positions of the government, to influence legislation, to communicate our views. But we're called to submit even, maybe especially when we don't agree with the laws or when we don't agree with the people in power. When I work on messages each week, there are two questions that that resonate for me always. What does God's word say on this particular topic? And what am I going to do about it? Those two questions are great questions for you to leave every Sunday with. What does God's word say? And what am I going to do about it? In this case today, what's God's word say? He says, submit to the governing authorities. And the question is, what am I going to do about it? Peter says this at the beginning of that passage, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether to the president as the commander-in-chief or to the governor or to the police officers and judges who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. He finishes that passage by saying, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the president, honor those in authority. Because of Jesus' love for us, because he died for us. We honor him by submitting to our leaders, by praying for our leaders. That's what discipleship is all about because it cuts right to our hearts. 
Are we living for ourselves, for our own agendas, for our rights, or are we living for Jesus? Paul wrote to Timothy and said this, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. There should be no better citizens in DeWitt and St. John's and Langsburg and Lansing than the people who are here following Jesus. There should be no better citizens because of our commitment to Jesus. Here's where I want us to finish today. I want us to just spend some time praying for our leaders. Um, I, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to stand, and I'm, I'm going to lead us uh, through uh, an opportunity to pray for those. So let's stand together and let's pray. If you look on screen, you'll see a list of national leaders. President Obama, Vice President Biden, Speaker of the House Ryan, Senate Majority Leader McConnell, Senate Minority Leader Reid, the Supreme Court justices, if you would, please, don't pray for them in mass. Don't say, oh, God, be with all those people who are up there. Pray for them individually, specifically. God may call you to pray for some of them um, very directly. Let's do that right now. It's not just national leaders. We need to pray for our state leaders as well. For Senators Stabenow and Peters, Representative Bishop, for Governor, our state rep, our state senators. listed some local leaders as well. Mayors of several of our communities, police officers or firefighters, judges, county and the community officials that we have, pray for them just now.
God, we come to you right now. And we ask that you'd help us. That you'd fill us with your presence, fill us with your spirit. That we might be salt and light. God, that we might be that aroma that draws people to you. God, soften our hearts so that when the war happens, when Satan whispers and says, it doesn't really matter, it's not fair, you shouldn't have to, that we hear your spirit say, submit. God, we ask that you'd bless these leaders that we've prayed for. Lord, we ask that you would give them wisdom and that they might lead and govern well. God, help us to be your church in this place at this time and to draw people to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.